Blog Talk Radio. to another edition of Rockin' the Carolinas, a very somber edition as we come into our bye week with a loss. As always, I'm your host, Lee Clark. Joining me, of course, Zach Martin, and our special guest tonight, all the way out in Florida. Not sure if that's even a state anymore, (laughs) but it is, and join us. It's the great R.J. Mayer. How are you doing tonight, R.J.? I'm doing good, and yes, we are considered a South trash can, but we are a state. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, oh, Zach, let's let's get right into uh, let's let's break down tonight's game. Uh, just a very disappointing game, in my opinion. Uh, let's go, Zach, first, and then uh, we'll get RJ's thoughts on tonight's game, and we'll come back to me. But Zach, your thoughts on tonight's game? I mean, do we really have to break this down? I mean, I mean, let's just hurry up to watch as it is. But it I guess for the fans. For you guys watching on the Facebook Live, I'll do I'll do that for you. It was um, I would say it's probably one of the most frustrating games that we've seen. You know, I would say it's probably more frustrating than it was against Toronto and Boston, just because of the fact that you know Jordan Stahl against the Capitals got high sticks. They don't call it. He high sticks. You know, someone's armpit that'll get called. Oh, Justin Williams somehow manages to get a ten minute game misconduct for, you know, sticking up for a teammate who basically just got, you know, blindsided by a shot. And uh Scott Darling flopping on his belly, not once, but twice. And everyone trying to blame Justin Falk for most of it. Yeah, there was that one play he did kind of mess up, but if you're if you're Scott Darling, you know, get your glove up. I mean We've talked about it before. It seems like Scott Darling, for some reason, does not play to his size. He really doesn't. And it kind of blows my mind that the guy is, what, 6'5"? But he plays like he's 5'9". Like you said before, it's just, it's tough. It's really tough. And I think overall this game, yeah, at least Stephanie scored. That's great. At least it's finally great that we actually got to see him, you know, put another point up on the board. That's two points in two games for him. But in terms of overall, yeah, it was just rough. It was not fun. It was just really frustrating. A lot of bad calls, and the de- the team overall was just was just not there. I think losing, you know, losing Pesci, uh, and losing just not being whatever the, the lineups just for some reason did not work tonight. And it was just it was brutal. It was a brutal game to watch overall. Definitely brutal all the way around. RJ, your thoughts on tonight's game? Well, let's start off with um, the fact that this was a very hot. Calgary Flames team coming in here. They've won their previous six, going for their seventh win in a row. Uh, and playing a team like that, it already doesn't bode well, knowing that they're hot. And they are literally third in their division because of this streak already. Um, one thing I will take back from at least the Calgary side is that Johnny Hockey is really the most unstoppable player right now. I think he's in a running for MVP, um, even though he doesn't get a whole lot of rap for it because most of the hockey writers don't really pay attention to the Pacific because they're in their practice. It's practically past their bedtime by the time those games start. Uh, and I didn't see much Yager. I don't know if he's still even on the team anymore, but back to Carolina in this case, uh, what Zach, what you said about Scott Darling, not playing with size, there's an agreement on that for sure. And the best example I could say is in the second goal uh, that was against Darling in the first period. If you notice very carefully, he's still playing in his crease. And he had a well opportunity to get out of that crease and challenge that puck a little bit better. And it would cut the angle off on the shot a lot more and probably would have forced a shot wide had he actually gotten out of his crease and played to his side, like you said. Uh, back to the power play, it was dismal until the very end when Stemps came in and, and got the power play goal on the rebound. Uh, on my show, the Florida Canadian perspective, I mentioned that Brock McGinn was going to have a pretty good game tonight, and it showed true. Uh, today, despite the uh, lack of points production on the power play and overall uh, ability to play. But he did lay out some pretty good hits. He was the most aggressive out there in the game. 
uh, on the other side of Justin Williams getting a 10-minute game misconduct, which I, I have to side the refs on that one because he did instigate the fight overall, stepping up for his team, and I'm perfectly okay with that uh, down the road. The Jordan Stahl high stick was absolute bull. Uh, it didn't touch the player at all. If you look at the replay, it looked like he was kind of a, a flopper there, like a LeBron James type uh, player <laughs> play on that deal. So, hey, I'm actually going to with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely a LeBron James move on that one, and I'm surprised it didn't call a dive on that one. But this brings back the question that they brought up in the pregame show that Shane Willis brought up, is penalties going to be a replayable uh, view down the road? I hope not because I do like the human aspect of the game, so I do appreciate that. However, at the same time, I don't agree with the uh, review of offsides. We have a head coach that's one for 59 on challenges. I don't know if right, that, that's the right number, but that seems to be <laughs> hey, the right well, number it's, in my opinion. It's close enough. It's, it's close uh, enough. Yeah, it's about right. I mean, you really think about it. Yeah, it's just terrible. I and mean, I agree with you. I mean, honestly, we should, they should not be looking at, you know, doing video reviews on every single little call. I think, I, I think what Shane said. Just focusing on goals. That's the only. That's the only video review we need to do is goals, and maybe offsides. If you really need, it's only only offsides if, it, if they seem to score, so they can maybe check. But if, it, if the team's in the like I think the other night someone said if they've been in the in the zone longer than thirty seconds, they should just completely like ah. Oh, but yeah, uh, sorry, go on what you're saying. Didn't mean to cut you off there. The the problem with I'll, I'll step on that real quick. The problem with the offsides ruling on that is the skate has to touch the ice. Uh, as far as onside goes, if it's off, it's offside when the skate is a but is not touching the ice, but yet it's across the line or however you say it. If they took away the skate having to touch the ice, I think we'll really, we will see a lot fewer offside challenges and possession of offside with the puck. That if they, if they look at that a little bit differently, I think we might see a little less review on that. But in my opinion, I think they just kind of get rid of it. Yes, we got we had a goal that called back and for us at Tampa with that rule, but how often does that really happen? In my case, uh, 0.2% of the time, and especially when it comes to Carolina and Bill Peters. But back to the rest of the game, the third period seemed a little bit better, minus the goals against on that one, but the power play did show up at the very end. However, uh, overall team effort wasn't quite what we were hoping to be, but at the same time, Calgary is a hot team right now, and it's very really hard to beat a team like that. So we obviously got out hustled. We obviously got outplayed. And we obviously got outmatched. And that's really all I got to say about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, in, I was, when I was watching the, I think it was Chicago and someone else, they were talking about it too. It's that um, they're talking about because the, the NHLPA and the NHL itself actually went to the owners and said, hey, why don't we just take out those skater roles so that way it's not, you know, six, seven-minute reviews and wondering if the skate's on the ice. And the owners actually said, no, don't take that rule on that. I think they said that I think sometime in the summer, I think they're going to go over it again to maybe take out that rule. So we actually – you we might be right. We actually might be seeing the skate on the ice rule actually might be taken out of the rule book because, yeah, because that's the one thing that's been killing a lot of these, like, momentums and holding up so much ice time is because of the stupid skate rule. So I agree with you. It's just that – that rule needs definitely, but um, Lee, what did you think overall about this debacle of a game? Well, if you're following us on Facebook Live right now, of course we're doing it on Rockin' the Carolinas, you'll see that I have a helmet on. And you might ask yourself, why do I have a helmet on? Not for him just smacking me in the head, <laughs> <laughs> but for Tom Dudon and, and Bill Peters. Ron Francis and Bill Peterson know that if you need someone to come in and whip someone's butt, or at least try, a little bit better than Justin Williams did, I do give him credit for standing up for him. I'm offering my services. I'm gladly to take a couple punches to the head, throw a couple punches, pick our team up. But that's one of my disappointing facts of this game was that, and I'm going to tell him because it's tight. <laughs> hey, just, um, just for the record, in my was, playing career. Tough. It was tough. I mean, it was. It I don't. Was, I don't mean. I don't mean to interrupt you, but just real quick, uh, I'll step in with you because I am two and zero in career fights. Ah, uh, there you go. There you go. I, I don't actually know my career record, but I'm sure it's somewhere in there with uh, less wins. I know. <laughs> I know my. I know my street hockey record. Playing with friends, it's like it's hard to know. Well, more like more like 
five and seven, but that's street hockey, so it doesn't really count. But, but yeah, uh, my inputs on the game. Wow. Um, first off, I like to say it's a pleasure uh, doing a show with RJ, getting him on. You know, it's something that we want to do here at Rocking the Carolinas. Get him on the show, get his input as well, and doing a show live. This is our first ever show, Rocking the Carolinas, being able to do a show actually live in person with any of our members. Uh, yeah, we do it live on Blog Talk, but that's over the phone. You know, we're not here in a same setting. So it's great. And, and watching the game with someone, you know, and you're doing a show later about it, it brings a lot more differences in the game that you may not catch yourself just being by yourself. And what I saw today was a team with no heart. And if you could say if anybody had heart, it maybe was Justin Williams stepping up to Giordano uh, after the hit. Well, it was also Brockman again, too, because he was laying a lot of lumber tonight, too. It wasn't a whole lot. They didn't really focus on it a well, lot. The guy's five foot two. He's got to do something on the ice. But oh, I'm sorry. I'm being a hip. I'm being bad with some of these guys lately, but I'm not impressed with our players. It was difficult to watch this game. It really was. It was just heartbreak after heartbreak, it seemed. It's like it's a team that didn't want to show up. Coming into a break where they got five days off, don't play again until Saturday. Both teams coming into this. Yeah, we're coming in. Both teams are coming off three games in four days. And it's just like we didn't want to show up tonight, and we didn't have that fire to win this game. And I think if anything that should have woke this team up was that hit on Ajo, and it didn't. It seemed we were just going to play the same type of game that we've been playing all day. And it was very disappointing. And, and a lot of people, yeah, you know, we're both, RJ, me, Zach, are all in the Carolina Hurricanes group on Facebook. And everybody wanted to blame Falk for that first goal. While, yes, he lost his stick, went after his stick, left his guy. Slavin made a great play in diving. Unfortunately, was going to get a penalty no matter what with the trip out. But it wasn't even Falk's guy that scored. It was uh, – well, you it, it, was, it was Dougie Hamilton. It was no, 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 not no. that one. The first goal was oh, – um, um, Cajun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was his first goal this year. Yeah, but yeah. You guys Cause, might want to. You guys might want to watch that again because Falk might have, did not really leave his guy in a way. He was actually covering an area that, although he was stickless, he's better off covering the middle of the ice than he was the corner of the ice in a way. So he was actually being more positionally sound without a stick, which makes a lot more sense. So for people that are saying blame Falk for a goal against. That's absolutely ludicrous on that one, and I have to disagree. Oh, no, we, we agree. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. If you question anything, Darling was right there, was able to see it, clear shot, no one in front, and didn't even move his glove, it looked like. And multiple replays, didn't even move his glove, didn't even try to go gloves side high. And everybody was talking about Ward, how Ward's gloves side high has been broken for the past couple of games, and take him out. Well, the first two goals on Darling were, guess what? Glove side high. And both yeah. goals, he completely missed just like Ward did. And, yeah, I don't think Darling played that great of a game. The saves he made hit his chest. Yeah. Didn't make any outstanding saves to keep us in the game. Then again, our whole team let us down, in my opinion. It was a very tough game to watch. This is a team that was just going through the motions, so to speak, to me. But if you look at it, it's just a bad luck we get is because – and someone, even someone mentioned in the group that it was Jordan Slugger's high sticks, no call. He high sticks an armpit that he gets called on. We go down and hit a post, goes across the line, goes side, to no goal, and they take it right back down when they score. It's like we caught no breaks at all this game. Everything we were getting called for almost anything, it was just – it was tough to watch because we weren't really in the game from the start, and we went down 2 nothing. It's like, okay, maybe we'll get something back. We got nothing back, and that third goal did not help us because if if, that, if, the, if our goal went in, that would completely negate the, them getting the numbers in their third, but it was, just one of, it was just one of those nights where we could not just catch a break from the refs or the hockey gods. They were just not giving us the light of day today. It was tough to watch. It really was. And, RJ, if you had to take any kind of positives out of this game today, what would be – your positives are, do you even see any positives out the game today? The only positive I'd say is we actually got a goal at the end on the power play overall. Justin Williams did step up for his guy at the end of the day, um, despite the misconduct on that one. Brock McGinn played a pretty good game overall. Um, so there's some individual player uh, positives, I would say, on this one. Um, but my overall look at the whole thing, going back to a negative side of it, unfortunately, 
I really think the Washington game where we got uh, this mail with 1.3 seconds left in the game and the missed uh, penalties in that one uh, really shook this team up in a way where they need to recover from it and they need some time to uh, get out of that one, out of that little funk. And I really think, and I'm very convinced that that's kind of what led into the performance that you guys are convinced that it has happened in front of us uh, in this case. So, yeah, I would say the Washington game, the 4-3 loss that we should not have lost, in my opinion, had the rest A, paid attention, and B, not know, know what the hell goaltender interference is, part of my language. Um, that would be a whole different story altogether. But I think that game just really ruined it uh, for this game overall. Yeah, no, yeah, and I completely agree with you because I was actually at that game, and if you look at if you look at the replays they were showing on the jumbotron, you could clearly tell that Kim's glove was held back for most of the for most of that scrum, and there's guys all up in that crease. So yeah, that was that was a joke. You know, then Justin Falk getting an interference call, which wasn't an interference because he was the puck was like right there on top of Wilson. Then of course, like you said, with Jordan getting sticked and not and missing that double minor, that didn't help us at all. And I think that kind of really set us back in terms of is just the emotion kind of killed us. And since I'm already going all uh, my positive, we stepped the act at least guys and got another point. That's two points in two games for him. So, I mean, it's great to see him back. It's great to see he's actually given the extra step that we need. We have an extra body now in terms of offense because instead of just having just Joris or Phil DiGiuseppe out, now we have three possible guys to put in. And now it gives us two wingers put out there, so if I had to take in, like you said, Justin Williams, like, stepping out, because we don't, that's like Justin Williams' eighth fight in his entire career, and that's like our fourth or fifth total fight all season, so we're not really a fighting team fourth, fourth. and at least there's some, at least there's a little bit positive that we actually, someone actually second for a teammate, and we got a power, another power play goal, so our power play is not lights out, but at least it's still getting better in terms of, you know, we're actually doing something. It was one for six tonight. Yeah, one well, for six is – yeah, it's, it's not good. Yeah, and I think it's perfect, but at least we got one. Yeah, so, one's better than none. <laughs> so, yeah, so everyone who's in Raleigh can get your boat – go get your biscuit. Yeah. Yeah, over, positives-wise, very, very few far in between for tonight's game. Uh, what do you think, Lee? Uh, my positives, nothing. I have no positives at all in this game. Wow. Yeah, you can say a positive is Stadmiak scoring, McGinn playing the game he's supposed to play anyways. I don't give a positive for a game that you're supposed to play anyways. McGinn's known he's not going to score a lot. Yeah, he may contribute some points here and there, but his game is supposed to be a physical game, hitting, getting in on the forecheck. That's your game. That's your job description, basically, for him. So I don't like – for him actually doing his job, I'm not giving a positive. Stadmiak, it's good to see him producing. But I'm not going to give a positive. It's just two games. You know, yeah, it's great that he's producing, but when it's a game that's already out of reach, you can't say that we didn't quit. We were, we quit from the moment the puck dropped, in my opinion. You know, we didn't want to play this game. It didn't seem like it to me. But, yeah, I mean, I guess if you had to call that a positive, that's a positive. But other than that, no. I mean, I don't. Get, I think the refs have it out for her, the Hurricanes this year, and it's been clear. I thought NFL refs were bad. And everybody wants to talk about how bad the NFL refs are in the playoffs right now, but nothing's worse than NHL refs right now because the last two games, especially with the Hurricanes, have been complete jokes of refs. I, I don't know where they found these refs, if they found them in the clearance aisle at Big Lots <laughs> or what, because that is just atrocious. I don't know. You missed the high stick on Jordan Stahl in the last game, which was awful in one point. And you look at him today in the pregame interview when at the bench, Dude had a nasty gash on his lip. And it looked like it knocked out possibly one of his teeth, it looked like. Um, and then yeah, then somehow I've never – this might be the first call ever in the NHL where a high stick went in someone's armpit. I've never seen it in the NHL. Someone call a high stick off of that. You know, let's give that guy an Oscar award for best actor ever. <laughs> Sign him with any national soccer league team because he's going to draw you a couple cards because that's what it looked like to me. It's like someone sniped him from the top booth sitting up there in Texan 328 or something, <laughs> sniped him, and he's like, oh, I got hit. No, it was your armpit, dude. And the rest, the rest were just atrocious. And, and at first, you know, they didn't even call a penalty on the Ajo hit at first. You know, they got together, then called the penalty. 
and then we get an instigator and a 10-minute game misconduct for Williams stepping in, I get the NHL is trying to do away with fighting. They're doing it quietly, though. They're getting the refs to get in there, the linesmen to get in there, break up fights before they happen. They're trying to get it out the league, which I hate, because if there's any instance where someone needs to drop the gloves and fight, was exactly that. Thank God that Williams, through one punch, fell down. But, hey, you know, not every fight can be a top-tier fight. You know, <laughs> we're not going to see bombs thrown every night. But the ref, something has to happen in the refereeing in the NHL. RJ, your thoughts on, you know, the hit with Ajo, you know, he's got a concussion. It is now known that he does have a concussion. Luckily, we get a week off, so he doesn't have to take any activities, nothing. He, he has that opportunity to heal up. We may see him Saturday. We may not, depending on if he can pass concussion protocol. It did not look good on the ice, I tell you. I, I've seen many guys get hit, hit harder and hit worse than Ajo did, and be able to actually skate when they're getting carried off the ice, when they're skating off the ice. He did not move at all when he was getting carried off. And it did not look good. So I hope he's not hurt, but something's got to change with these reps. Do you see possibly, RJ, a suspension coming down to Giordano? Yeah, I, I do. But let us uh, let me go back real quick. But uh, the first off by saying, uh, last I checked the phone book and the internet, the LeBron James Hollywood acting school is open for business. Uh, with that said, back to the hit. Uh if you look at it in real time, you really couldn't tell how bad the hit really was. Although he well down pretty hard, it was a bad hit. But at real time, you really couldn't see if the legs lift. And that's the very first thing I look at personally. Did he lift his feet on the hit? And then when you look at the replay, it was pretty blatant and obvious he lifted his feet on the hit to deliver the hit. Uh, was he going for the head intentionally? You could make the argument of no, but based on the way how the hit was made and the direction Ajo was going and just the pure kinetic energy that was going all together, uh, then the answer is yes. Uh, it's a headshot, and it's going to be deemed a suspension in my case, and I'll be very surprised if it's less than a five-game suspension. I would make the argument for 10 games in this case. Oh, interesting. Zach, your thoughts? Um, I mean, I agree with the fact that real time is kind of hard to see. And if you're looking at it afterwards, yeah, it was a nasty hit. He did leave his skates later on, but I don't think if I was knowing how the NHL usually goes about these things, I mostly see maybe one game at the most. I don't see them going for the multiple game unless it was really blatant, like he actually like threw an elbow up or like cause because he glanced him with his shoulder, and you could say it was a dangerous hit, but. I don't I don't see that multiple five to ten game suspension. I think one at the most, or maybe a fine at best. I see well, at least a fine. Here's the thing you gotta keep in mind, guys. This is not a first time offender. So he has been suspended for a hit like this before, uh, once, and that was three seasons ago, and I think that will come into consideration. So think about it like that. Oh, I can understand that argument, but here's my thoughts on the hit. And for the Facebook Live viewers, I have a helmet, Yeah, my helmet from earlier. But anytime – I'm not going to put it on my head again. But anytime – you know, you look at the hit in real time, and one thing to always look at, like RJ brought up, was do the feet leave the ice and where's the main point of contact? And while I think Giordano was trying to go for the body, the head was the main point of contact. Feet left the ice – in no way should you ever be wearing a helmet, in my opinion, as you can see on Facebook Live, and your chin strap comes to your nose and your helmet goes sideways like that. There is no way on God's screen earth that that should be not a suspendable offense. It's clear to me that it, it was a headshot. He went to the head, left his feet. Now, while Giordano, yes, he is a repeat offender by the rule of the league. He is a repeat offender since he has been suspended before. But you got to look at his history. Has he been suspended multiple times for hits like this or incidents like this? No. One time. One time. While I do agree with RJ, this is a type of hit that the NHL definitely wants out. One thing you also got to look out, could Ajo avoid that hit if he didn't have his head down nonstop throughout that play when he was coming across? Definitely. Ajo was looking straight at his stick with the puck on his stick the whole way he was skating down. 
And that's something that's also they taught you. They teach everybody in youth hockey: never skate with your head down. Never, because it gives it gives opportunities for stuff like this to happen. Now you got to look at both those things. So I don't think it's going to be five. It's definitely not going to be ten. I think if you see any kind of suspension, it's going to be a one to two game suspension, uh, mainly for the fact that Giordano is not a big repeat offender. He's not like Cassian. He's not like those guys. He's not like Matt Cook. Rafi Torres. Rafi Torres. You know, he's not a big repeat offender. While he does have suspensions, I think you see a one or two game. If I if we don't see any suspensions, then I'm starting a rally. We're going to start here in Greensboro. We're going to march to the NHL offices in Toronto and throw crap at it. You know? <laughs> actually, I actually, I think it's in New York. But or New York, wherever. Yeah, wherever, wherever they want to do wherever, it at nowadays. And the rules committee, the referee committee in Toronto, the, major, the NHL offices are in New York, but the rules and the okay. officials are in Toronto. Okay, so we're we're both kind of right then. Yeah, both kind of right. So yeah, we'll, we'll march to both of them. Why not? If they don't give a suspension out for this, it's it's a joke. It, it was a dirty, dirty hit. I'm glad that Williams stepped up. It wasn't that much of a fight, but I, it's it's about time someone stepped up. You look at it. You look at it um, from the standpoint of, have we done this all year? We haven't. You look at a Derek Ryan hit, dirty hit. Oh, yeah. You look at the hit before. The Orphic is the biggest, dirtiest guy in Hurricanes history. If you want to look at someone to hate from the Hurricanes standpoint, and being a Hurricanes fan, you look at Brooks Orphic. He broke Eric Colson net. He's dirty hit two guys already this year for us. And we've stepped up and done nothing. And, he has and got, finally, and who had to step up on this team? Justin Williams. That's a problem. When a guy that's supposed to be, yeah, he's a leader. But do we really want Justin Williams sticking his head out there in a fight? No, because we don't want him, we don't risk him getting injured. Yeah, I get that. And I know it deals with the players on the ice, but I, I, you should, in my opinion, you should have seen every guy go straight after Giordano. But you didn't. You saw Williams go straight after him. You didn't see anybody else go after him. No. And I wonder, are we broken as a team? Are we not having a chemistry in the locker room? What is going on with this team where no one wants to stand up for each other? Zach, let me get your thoughts on that, and then we'll go to RJ. I would have to agree to a certain extent that for some reason, I don't know why we're not fighting. I don't know why we're not fighting. And it's just – and. The, it's a problem we would have is that, you know, you would think that, you know, when we had Bullerese, when, when we had Jesse Bullerese back in the day, when we had, you know, Tim Gleason actually stepped up and fought. Convoy. Convoy fought. Mike Commodore fought. We had Best a guys. slew of guys who fought players. And it's just like, and going off Facebook Live, what Marsha Clark has said, yes, we do need that one brawler. We need, need that guy like a Brooks Orpik, guys like Giordano, guys like McDonough, who can go and throw punches at players. And the problem is we we are the only team in single digits in the fight majors. We're one of three. One of three? Okay, okay well, we're still last, though, which is the unfortunate thing. And the thing that's really killing us is the fact that we need to get players to actually do something when there's a dirty shot. Yeah, Derek Ryan gets clocked. Nothing happens. Otto gets hit. Our, our one of our veteran third line guys should not be the one to step up. Because there is a slew of teams with single digit hits, but we are tied with the Rangers. No, we're, we're actually past the Rangers since we got our yeah yeah yeah. So now we're tied with Vegas at twenty nights or four hits or four mm-hmm. fights. But it's still a joke though for the fact that we are so low on the totem pole in terms of hits. But I we don't have to. I mean fights. We don't have to fight them. We just need to get in their face and be like, hey, we're not going to take this, and that's the problem. I don't think it's a chemistry issue. I just think it's it's a philosophy issue in terms of maybe Piers is telling these guys, don't fight. We don't need to lose more players. Because you saw what happened. Justin Williams stuck up for his teammate. He gets an instigator in a 10-minute. I've never seen I've never seen a guy who's sticking up for a teammate gets an instigator in a 10-minute misconduct ever in a fight like that. That's the first time I've ever seen anything happen. So it makes you wonder: did, Is the NHL saying something to the owners and the coaches that we're not that the fans don't know about? 
or it's just one of those freak occurrences that happens like that. Well, like I said, maybe it's a philosophy issue where Pierce is saying, don't fight. We don't need to lose more guys, or that's not how this team is built on it. And it's just it's, – it's it's crazy to see it. I think we need, we need – we need to get that one guy who can actually step up and do something overall. RJ, your thoughts? Here's the thing. The, the league is now built on speed and finesse, not much more on enforcer play like what we're talking about right here. So I am not sure about the ownership getting – I'm not sure if the ownership is getting questioned on how their team is supposed to be built or anything like that. I don't see that at all. I just see it as – as the Carolina Hurricanes came into us when they were Stanley Cup in 2006, this team was the team that changed the game overall with speed, but they had enforcement going out at the same time. Best enforcement player we had ever was Aaron Ward, if you guys want to go back that far. Um, he won the cup with us in that one. Now, as far as do we need a player like that on the ice, I would say yes until it's deemed completely uh, inexcusable to have on the ice. Right now, this team needs somebody. I, I say um, if we need somebody needs to step up and make their presence known, it needs to be Justin Falk. They gave him a letter for a reason. He's now the home captain this half of the season. He was the away captain the previous half of the season. If somebody with a leader, with a letter, uh, needs to step up, absolutely. Um, I don't see why Justin Falk hasn't done that. He seems to be more worried about, A, losing a stick, and, B, trying to take a shot. Uh, more than defensively, but I see you're shaking your head over here. But um, yeah, but I see, uh, Paul Rubino, the whole the thing with the letter on your chest, the letter on your chest in a game. The only thing that means you get to talk to a rep. It doesn't mean anything. No, and I get you don't that. have and to have that. a letter on your chest to do something. Right, right, right. And I get that, but at the same time, from a locker room standpoint. You, you earned that letter for a reason. I get what you're saying that way. You don't need to have a letter to, do, to be a leader. I get that part. But if you have a letter on and you actually step up for your team like that, that actually does go a long way, and it does say a little something to the other teams in the league. So that's the only reason why I'm bringing it up. But if somebody does need to step up, in my opinion, at least on the defensive side, it needs to be Justin Falk. You could make a little argument for Jacob Slavin, but Jacob Slavin's way too smart of a player to be doing anything like that and getting himself into that kind of stuff. His defensive presence is well-known, just the way he plays alone. But somebody who lacks a little defensively and thinks more offensively, Justin Falk will be the way to go to be that more enforcement-type player on the defensive side. He reminds me of P.K. Subban. Why is the skin tone? No racial slurs intended. But P.K. Subban at least steps up for his teammates at the same time, where Justin Falk, he just seems to play the game overall. But if somebody needs to step up uh, from an enforcement point of view, I would say it would be Justin Falk. I would agree with Falk, and I would almost want to go and say, you know, I know Van Riemsdyk's not really much of an offensive guy, but he really needs to, you know, throw the body around too. Cause it seems like he kind of disappears for the most part in most games. I mean, I don't really – I mean, he does the little things. That's great, but I don't really see him making his presence himself as well. And I think TBR is one of those guys that needs to, you know, throw the body around too. And you'll get in there and do some fights. And I think Marsha has brought up another uh, question. Do you think that the new owner – We'll step up and say we need a brawler or so. No, no one. No. Knowing how Tom is no. already, I don't. I don't see him saying anything about in terms of we need brawlers. He's me more of looking at how to make the fan experience better, how to make the arena better, and looking for the one or two offensive key pieces or maybe another net presence to help build this team. Because as he said before, he's looking at how to get the get build the pieces that we need around this young core. To make the team better. But in terms of getting brawlers, no, he's not going to go out and say we need them or he's going to go out shopping for them. He's going to get that if a team comes to him for it or comes to, you know, Ronnie Francis for it. Say, hey, we'll give you like a Patrick Maroon type player or someone like that in a trade. But will Tom Dundon come out and say that or Ronnie Francis come out and say that? No, I don't see any of those guys ever coming out and saying that personally. That those are the guys are looking for. They're going to look for offensive minded players put points on the board, and build our four lines up to be, to be an offensive threat from top to bottom, like you see with all these other teams. So to answer your question, Martha, no, not going to happen. I don't see anyone in the front office come out and say, no, we need brawlers on this team in general. So I guess going back to the no, question, I, like RJ was saying. 
TBR needs to step up too in terms of fighting and getting his presence felt a little. Lee, what do you think? Do you what do you think about who needs to step up in terms of being that physical player that we need to step up and get that presence known throughout oh, the league? We did look at TBR did get a all, they were offsetting penalties in that one. They both got roughings while TBR was getting pushed in the bench. TBR didn't even move a muscle. He just over here just getting pushed into the bench like it ain't nothing. Then move muscle somehow got a roughing penalty out of that. With that Which that's fine with me, you know. Yeah, and that's one thing we put pointed out in the pregame. You know, get Kachuk off his game, make him draw penalties. But we don't need to get in the penalty box as well. And I think TVR played that perfectly. He didn't want to take a penalty. Somehow got called for a penalty. Another reason that the refing was just absolutely atrocious in this game. Marshall, my point on your comment is that, no, the day of the brawler is gone. The day of the goon is gone. It's sad to say that. I love it in hockey. I think there's a place in hockey for fighting. Not where it used to be. Like the yeah, not where, yeah, not where, 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 where it's like bullies, where they just go out and just kill everybody. Or, or, a, or, a, or a Rangers in uh, – no, the, the uh, Colorado Avalanche and the Detroit Red Wings in the playoffs where they just brawl for almost like an entire – Oh, yeah, the Lemieux, Draper. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the famous yeah. Patrick Walk for Osgood fight. Oh, the St. Patrick's Day Massacre up uh Chicago and St. Louis. The uh, That one, that was a big one, too. Yeah, but th- the day of the brawler is gone. And as far as I'm concerned right now, when it comes to fixing this team, and unfortunately we're not going to be live for the whole show because my phone is dying, and that's what we're using to go live on. So, unfortunately, we're not going to be live the whole show like we wanted to. Bad planning. Sorry. Uh, but, to, yeah, it's on, it's on me. That's fine. But, you know, we need someone to step up. And if you look at the guys on this team, there's no one to step up in that role that I think could fill that role like they should. And you mentioned the name, and I've mentioned it plenty of times on shows, Patrick Maroon. That's a guy that's not scared to drop the mitts, will stand up for his top player. He's done it plenty of times in Edmonton with, um, excuse me, being on Connor McDavid's line. Or uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Or Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He stood up for both of those guys. It, we need someone like that who can play, put up points, because he, he did have a point and assist in the last game, uh, Maroon. We don't have any guys like that. You might say McGinn, maybe, but uh, he's five foot eight, 170 pounds soaking wet. He's not a he's not a guy that's going to be that enforcer type guy. He only even Justin Williams. Justin Williams. Justin Williams. He's, he's five a, foot nine, five foot ten. You know, he's my size, one seventy, one eighty. You know, not the type of guy that you see in the enforcer role. And then you, it, so what you really look to, like RJ said, is your defenseman. And while yes, Falk needs to step it up, but we, I don't get the whole notion of where Carolina fans came with the whole idea that Justin Falk. Is a stellar defenseman and can stand up for people because we've never seen it in the whole eight years he's been here. I've seen, I've years, seen, however I've, long he's been here, I've wanted to do more. We've never seen it. I've seen offense out of this guy more we than got anything else. Spoiled last year. That's what it is. We're spoiled as Carolina Hurricane fans for having a defenseman that had a stellar breakout year, one of the best years of his career, probably the best to go down as the best year of his career ever. And we got spoiled. So we automatically think, it seems like we automatically think that he's going to go out there every night and be a guy that's going to put up a point every night, be a stellar defenseman. It's like we got spoiled for what he played last year. Has he regressed this year? Yes, definitely. He's not playing to the effect that he did last year. And I don't think he can get up to that level. In fact, in my opinion, the only time you've seen Justin Falk play to the level he's played last year is when he's paired with Paul Staubach. That's the only time this year, in my opinion, that Justin Falk has stepped it up and played like he's supposed to play. But we've got – we're spoiled here in Carolina. We see a great player do something great for one year, we're instantly spoiled. Look at Eric Stahl. We all love Eric Stahl. Second year in the league, 100 points. What happened after that? He fell off. He's re-resurrected his career in Minnesota. You know, he went to um, the Rangers first. Didn't do good in the Rangers. They just they didn't use him right in Ranger land. But he's re- resurrected his career. Doesn't have the weight of the sea on his chest over in Minnesota. 
But we fall in love with a specific player just for what he does off of one year. We don't look at multiple, multiple years. And you can say you can blame me as the biggest fan of Cam Ward that does the same thing. But I look at I'm a fan of Cam Ward. Yeah, look at all of his past stats. It wasn't great, but I know the team in front of him hasn't been great. But I know to levy my expectations that yeah, they may have a great breakout year, doesn't mean they're gonna do it every single year. And Falk, yeah, he's regressed. The whole team, it seems like, has regressed a little bit from last year. While they're doing things a little bit better, they've regressed in some of the aspects, especially the five-on-five play. But Falk, yeah, he's going to make mistakes. It happens in hockey. You're going to make mistakes. Should he make him as much as he's doing? No. He's obviously lacking some confidence, but I think people are being a little bit too hard on him. You know, we're all expecting him to be – you know why they're hard on him? 27-goal, 30-assist guy like he was last year, and he's not. He's not in this system. You know, you know why You know why Canucks are hard on him this year versus last year? Because I think they missed out on a lot of queso so far this year. Queso, <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. I feel, bad, I feel bad for those kids in that commercial. They probably sat forever waiting for that queso. <laughs> just as fast on the score. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, no, 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 you didn't. And, and I have to agree with you. It's just it's one of those things where it's like he has least regressed as a team overall. And, I mean, yeah, Slavin and Pesci had a great season last year together, and, and they're not putting the numbers up that are still doing anymore. But if you look overall as a team, we're a lot farther than we were. We're not, like, you know, falling off October, November, December, and then having to wait until almost, like, maybe – what, end of, like, mid-March to finally wake up and actually start doing something? So, I mean, it's – at least we're finally getting to the point now where we can actually – we're playing we're playing in a better spot. Yeah, we're one point out of the wild card spot. We, you know, going into this break. We have – there's also – don't forget, there's a big homestand coming up in February after this uh, five-day break and the rest of January. We have – I'm looking at the schedule right now. We have literally – seven straight home games, actually eight straight home games if you count January 30th, uh, right off the bat uh, before we uh, really go go away again. So there is a lot of home games in February. That's where this team really needs to make their stride and make a huge run uh, towards the playoff spot. And by that time, if everything bodes well, I would make an argument and say we might be uh, contenders and we might be buyers by the trade deadline for sure. Uh, for that coveted number one center, at least an offensive player that could boost us uh, in goal scoring at minimum at that point. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and then March is where you really have to hold it down and, and really uh, keep everything going prior to the playoff time, assuming we're in that position to do so. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. I think with the home camp coming up, I think we I do see us becoming buyers more so closer to the trade deadline and actually maybe making that shot for, I wouldn't say a top three, but I would at least say a wild card spot to say at the least, unless Columbus and New and all New York teams and Pittsburgh, been basically Philadelphia all crap the bed and try to make it interesting for us. So, well, it's very interesting still even even for the top two, even for the second and third uh, seed in the in the Metropolitan is still close enough. Uh, they're within a point or two from each other right now, maybe three. I haven't looked at it yet, but there's still a lot of games to play. There's still a lot of points to go after, and it's still anybody's game, anybody's position right now. Yeah, we look like we're last place at the Metropolitan. We're far from last place for a playoff spot. So you got to look at it oh, that way, oh, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, right now we're only one point out, and I know Pittsburgh still has to play at 730 against New York, so – that's an interesting one to see. Because either way, we're going to be a point out, maybe two at the most, depending on if they go in overtime. Yeah, we're only going to be one or two points out of a wild card spot. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it works out. And then we're only four points out of third place, and we're five points out of second. So, I mean, right. if, if we get on a good stretch run and all the other teams, you know, drop, start dropping points, we could possibly see us going to second place in the division. So I agree with you, RJ. There's – there's a great possibility that we could probably go between second in our in in our division to having the last wild card spot. It all just depends on how we go, how our week goes. Maybe not have 
an 18-minute practice and crap like that, but there's a possibility to have a good stretch run where we can start gaining points mm-hmm. and get back to that winning streak that we had before mm-hmm. we ran in Toronto and then Boston. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And RJ, um, where can everyone find you? Uh, where can people find the Florida Caniac? If anybody wants to come check out your show as well, where can they find you? All right. So first off, things first. Uh, first of all, thank you guys for having me on your show. Um, greatly appreciate it on that one for spreading the word out for all Caniacs out there. Uh, you, first of all, um, Florida Caniac Perspective is posted on the Carolina Hurricanes Facebook page. You can also find me on my own Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Florida Caniac. I do post some exclusives on there as well, small five, ten-minute videos uh, of some insides here and there, not a whole lot lately. I just did a recent thing on the Lightning game at Tampa Bay uh, for a pregame show out there, so definitely check that out. I just got on Twitter, and it's at Florida Caniac. Uh, There's some search issues going on with that one, but if you – Private message me on Facebook. I will find you, and I will like you in a non-homo way. But you can find me at, at Florida Caniac on Twitter, facebook.com slash the Florida Caniac. And you will also see me in person February 9th and 10th for the Vancouver-Colorado home game. The February 10th game, I will be sounding the siren. So I am expecting everybody that will be there to be as loud as possible because I will not sound it until we get very, very loud. Hopefully the lady that uh, sounded the siren didn't break it permanently, or else I'll be a little upset. But if you do happen to see me that Friday and Saturday, I will be looking for tailgaters out there. Definitely stop out there and see me. I'll also be with the Brewster Club on one of those days, uh, promoting their Brewster Club on a special Florida Caniac exclusive as well. All right. Awesome, RJ. Well, yeah, of course, we would love to have you on. And we would definitely love to get back with you again and maybe do another show with you. Yeah, it would be great. And, uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time out and joining us. And it was uh, great talking to you. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate all the love. Uh, thanks again, guys. And, as always, everybody, go Canes. Go Canes. All right. Thanks for RJ joining us tonight. It's been it was great to have him on, have another Kaniac perspective on the game. But uh, since we talked – uh, you know what? I'm tired of talking hurricanes. You know, I, I talked about doing the show, you know, doing a little segment about being the GM. But, at, you know, after that game, I'm tired about talking about hurricanes. I do have to say one thing, though. <laughs> what, what, did I, what did I say about who should we watch out for? It's, I know Sam Bennett didn't do very much. Did they get up on that first line? Let's see. That's what I'm saying. Sam Bennett did do something. And I – No. I, I, know, I, know, I know he did nothing. And shoot, I say go after Curtis Lazar because he absolutely destroyed us tonight. So I say, yeah, he got one point. Makachuk destroyed us. You know, Goudreau didn't. Goudreau, what they even they said during the game, stop the Goudreau line. What happened? Didn't stop him. So you know what? We need to go. We need to go for the. We need to start making trades. I know you've said it before. Go after Nugent Hopkins. Go after Patrick Maroon. Uh, uh, that's. Perfect. I mean, fifteen million dollars in cap space. Who would you give up though? Nugent Hopkins has a six million cap hit. Patrick Maroon has a million dollar cap hit. Two million. Two, two million. Two sorry, two million dollar cap hit. That's eight million dollars. Yeah, we could, we can shed some salary too. You know what? Different. What they're looking for in the Calgary in uh, Edmonton, a defenseman, because they haven't had a solid defenseman forever. And I think really we could probably package a deal around Justin Falk. Oh, we already have. So you're, so you're okay with getting rid of one of our co-captains? I'm fine. And, and, our, and our perennial yeah, all-star? Thank God, because that would get rid of that co-captain pool crap. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually would make it interesting to say it would be the least. Yeah, but, I mean, why not? They're looking for a solid defense. We get a solid winger in Patrick Maroon that will, you know, stick up our guys, will fight, will not hesitate to drop the gloves, can still put up points. We are Ryan Nugent Ryan Hopkins, and I did mention a question, too. Um. RJ, in his show earlier today, the Florida Kenyak, you know, who would you take? He picked Sam Reinhardt. I would take Ryan Nugent Hopkins without a doubt. He's he's on a he's already thirty some points right now. And he's he, he needs a new change of scenery because Edmonton Land isn't working. I think he fits perfectly in our system. And then we have a guy like Maroon that can step up and take out guys and still put up points, put the body on. 
Call in, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get on the truck? Call in again. Um, but, uh, you know, if I have to give up pe- anybody, you know, we're, we're come, bringing in the center. We're bringing in the winger. So, obviously, they're going to want in, you know, giving up fault. I think giving up fault. And then I would give up Derek Ryan. Sorry, Colin. Man, you would hate Derek Sorry, Ryan. Sorry, Colin. You hate Derek Ryan so much. I don't hate him. I just don't think he's that great of a player. How he, he's the nicest guy in the world, but doesn't mean you're a great player. Yeah, he had a streak earlier this year where he played really well, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't do the things that are necessary for this team, so to speak. You know, I mean, he does to to his extent all he can do, but well, quite frankly, all he can do is not the greatest. And you bring in a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins who can immediately slide in the first line and put fault and put uh stall back to the second line, or you can even have him stall back. Stall back what the heck? stall back to the second line. Okay, the same way. <laughs> no, stall back to the second line. Good grief. Talking about talking about taking a pause there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the you like, what's the that about? You have Lindholm Rask. Third line, fourth line. Lindholm took a majority of our face offs today, as we saw, even though he wasn't technically playing center. He yeah, on, on, a lot of face offs today. On the line with on the line with Kruger, who's a natural center to begin with, so that was a little bit interesting to watch. Lindholm's a better face off guy, so I mean, I think that's an easy. Well, no one <laughs> wants him. Chicago didn't even want him. And then they try to give him the. Then they try to give him the Vegas, and Vegas didn't even want him. No, that was TBR. Never mind. Both of them actually. Both of them, I was about to say, didn't Kruger go there too? And then yeah. they were like, yeah, we don't want him. Well, because they got draft picks out of him from Carolina. That's why. So give him draft. And, and look, where, they didn't need him. And it's clear. Look at what Vegas has been doing all year. They didn't need Kruger and Bramarine side. Well, okay, well, they, why right. should we take them? Are we like the slobs of the league now? Oh, we take everybody's rejects. Yeah, that's just that's just what that's just cold blood. <laughs> that is. Everybody's rejects. Oh, you don't want him? We'll take you over here in Carolina. Come on over. That is just terrible. Okay, well, we're talking about you know Vegas. No, let's go. Actually, let's go. Let's go into the segment of talking about the stuff around the NHL. And I love. We were watching before the Hurricanes, and we were watching the uh, Blackhawks, uh, Red Wings. Holy crap! Did uh, Chicago forget there was a game today in Chicago? Because they got manhandled, manhandled, four nothing to the Red Wings. Seriously, on a you know rivalry on a Sunday game because you know NBC was like, oh you know what, let's put them on at twelve thirty. They get a marquee event. I I don't think the Blackhawks even forgot there was a game going on today. Well, that was abysmal to watch. Uh, hopefully, my buddy John Mansello is listening. John Mansello, if you're listening, or you happen to listen at a later date. You know, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, being a Red Wings fan, okay? <laughs> when it comes Ouch. to the past two seasons, past three seasons, it's been atrocious in Red Wing land. So when you can be able to shut out a top-tier team in the Blackhawks, you got something going working, at least working that night. Because they ain't doing it every night. And the Red Wings have been atrocious for the past two, three seasons. But it's okay. You know, I, I think they've been a team that – they really don't know where they're going, so to speak. I don't know if they're in between we should completely tear down the team and rebuild or let's keep our veterans around and keep on going. And, yeah, while the Blackhawks have been struggling this year, it was a game without Corey Crawford. It was a guy in net who's only had five NHL games, 32 years old, only five NHL games, Yes, he's been a great story for the fans of Chicago and a great story for any goalie out there that's aspiring to be an NHL goaltender to never give up on your dream and keep on playing and doing what you got to do to make it to the big leagues and hopefully get some luck on your side because that's the only reason why he's in the big leagues right now is because he got some luck on his side with Crawford's injury. Last did not play well to me in this game. Uh, you look at it, yeah, we, we were kind of in and out of the game discussing our shows today while we were watching it, but it's just it seemed like a Red Wings team that I hadn't seen all year. Dylan Larkin jumped on the board early, then they scored right again, two goals in two minutes and ten seconds. And like I, I we were over here, I was you're screaming at you, pull them, pull them, 
We did it. And what did they do? They kept him in there. And you know what? He only gave up four goals. You know what happened? We pulled a goaltender after two goals. We gave up five more. We gave up five more. The Blackhawks didn't quit. <laughs> we quit. The Blackhawks didn't. They tried to get back into that game. Maybe it's a Carolina thing. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. I know I didn't want to talk about Carolina anymore. Hey, Bill Peters, yeah, whatever, whatever, I think the Connecticut water is kind of starting to run out with Bill Peters and that mojo he somewhat had. Maybe we need, a we need to switch to whatever they're serving in Vegas. I know you mentioned that before, and that's what yeah, that's what, take that one. You know, maybe maybe we just tapped out. Maybe we tapped out of that water. Maybe we need to go back to Vegas. We've got to go back to Vegas. Before, well, yeah, maybe we can we can cut a deal with them. They come here next Sunday. We can cut a deal. Tell them to bring us some of that Vegas water. The last is enough to last us the rest of the season, and we'll run. We'll go on that streak again. Well, actually, how, how about this? We we trade Falk and a bag of pucks. They'll send us about three draft picks in some of that water, and we'll be set. How about how about that? How about that for a deal? Only if we can include Marshall Salt in that deal. Or two. I, I, you know, I, I think Marshall, I think that'll be an act of God, and someone has to have a brain fart in Vegas. <laughs> Especially with a new contract extension, yeah. <laughs> Especially, yeah, because of a massive contract extension and the fact they lost Smith and Marshall Sell to the same team in the same season. It's like, dude, you lost one guy, you lost one guy in the expansion draft, and you lose another guy in a, in a trade. Like, why would you do that? It's just ridiculous. And breaking news, actually, Cogliano actually has been suspended, and his consecutive game strip hasn't snapped at 8.30. And it's... Wow. Cogliano, with the hit on Kempe, they're actually going to snap this streak at 8.30. We saw that, we saw that hit earlier. Uh, I think that they showed it during the Hurricanes game, one the during the intermissions, and the hit didn't look that bad. It really didn't. You know, it was a guy in Kempe who's a lot taller than Cogliano, and so while Cogliano was making a move and was hitting him, it did make contact with the chin of Kempe, and I, that's crazy. The Ironman streak is done. That's breaking news as of about an hour ago that breaking news, Cogliano is suspended. His consecutive games played streak ends at 830, which is insane when it comes to games played in the NHL. I, I, I can't re- – I, I don't recall anybody, anybody ever – I think now it goes down – let's see. Uh, here we go. Uh, it's the fourth longest consecutive games played streak in NHL history after Doug Jarvis at 964, Gary Unger at 914, Steve Larmer at 884. He was so he, so he was only like 54 some games later from the top. Three, but the fact that he's been in 54, but he hasn't missed a game in 11 seasons because of some hit he had on a kit. I mean, it kind of. I don't think it was that bad of a hit. It, it was. I think it could be a little bit debatable, but yeah, it's just that's crazy to think that something like that would happen. And, well, if Cogliano gets suspended for that hit, then whatever it, I don't think it ever said exactly how many games. I think it's. I think, I think it's two games. So if Cogliano got two games for that hit, then I'm I'm with I'm on board with RJ that Giordano should get five. Yeah, yeah, he has to get five. Because if that hit gets two, then tell me what Giordano's hit gets. Because Giordano's hit was way worse than Cogliano's hit. Yeah. Way different type of play, way worse in my opinion. If that gets two, especially with Cogliano never being in a repeat offender, never, he's never been suspended. Never even had to meet with the league about a hit. Yeah. And And they give him two games for that? That's then good. Giordano might get five. He's yeah, got to get five. If he gets less than two, then Cogliano needs to go and punch everybody in the NHL in the face that gave him that suspension because that's a ridiculous call. I mean, yeah, you look at the hit, it was very borderline, very questionable. Could have went either way. You know, he did get a two-minute penalty for interference. But, you know, hey, it happens. You know, it was not that dirty of a hit. But – yeah, we we did say here that we were going to go two hours. Unfortunately, we're going to cut it a little short tonight. We've got a little bit of hour because uh, we we got some things that we got to do here and cardiac 
Well, no, I'm about to say my old show name. Woo! Wow. That's... I'm about to say Cardiac Cornerland, but wow. no, it's not. That show, wow. That show's dead. Wow. It's Good. dead now. But no, we're talking the Carolina land. We got some, I got, we got to have a staff meet here in the land of rocking the Carolinas, but we will be back next Saturday. We got a game next Saturday, so I'm sure we'll do a pregame and postgame. You know, since we got a whole week off, we'll be nice and refreshed here. But you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Rocking the Carolinas. Also on uh, iTunes at Rocking the Carolinas. Go check out RJ's Florida Caniac on Facebook and go give him a listen here when he's online and go look at his old videos. But it's been a pleasure talking some cane talking with everybody. Until next time, let's go Canes. Yeah, let's go Canes.